You are listening to the Genesis Podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. Happy Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. Glad you made it. I know the game's later, but it's good to have you here with us today uh, before the game. My teams aren't in there, so I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> don't really have a team. They moved, but they might come back. I really want the Rams again. Any old Ram fans? Yep, back when they were in Los Angeles before even the Anaheim time thing. Anyway, we have been going through a, a series of talks about things that can hinder our lives, that can hinder our relationship with God, things that... Maybe uh, we stumble over. We talked about fear and how fear can limit us, how fear dominates us, and we become basically enslaved to what we fear. We've talked about anger, how anger can blind us and keep us from connecting in areas that we should. And last week we talked about worry. And I appreciate those of you who have spoken to me. I had a lot of people come back and say that was helpful because worry is something that really does cause anxiety. It's something that we empower, worrying about a future that is yet to come and looking at the difference between what is good and trying to live the ideal life. And I wanted to talk this morning about a topic, but I didn't know what to name it. I was thinking, well, maybe I could call it procrastination, but it wasn't really procrastination, or, or maybe I could call it inaction, not being active, but that didn't really combine those two, or maybe I could call it laziness, okay? But all of those together really kind of work together in what I want to share, so what I'm calling it basically is stuck, okay? That was a good name, stuck, and it's why are we here? Or why stay here? Have you ever looked back at your life and felt like you've lost your energy? Like there were things you used to do, but you just don't do them any longer. Like there was a time when someone would say, hey, you want to go snowboarding? And I'd be, yeah, let's go. Now someone says, hey, you want to go snowboarding? And I'm like, ah. Uh, the knees, I don't know, and, and I just don't have the same excitement that I used to. My, my body doesn't respond the same way. And, and there are a lot of things, if someone were to, to say, hey, do you want to do this? There was a time where I would jump at the opportunity. There's still some things I, I'll do. If you tell me, hey, you want to go see a movie that I want to see at midnight, I can do that. But that's different than snowboarding, right? It just takes a little less energy. I can sit there and eat popcorn and watch a movie, but I just can't move my body. Um, I see a pattern developing here. But not only the things that we do with activity, there were things that used to be excited to participate in that maybe now I, I'm even hesitant to, to step into that arena or maybe you're afraid, things that would cause fear. I remember leading a group of about 15 people back in the 80s to smuggle Bibles into China. And I was excited to do that. I was looking forward to that. It was like, oh man, we're going to go smuggling. I felt like this is so cool and it's so like, you know, sinister. I'm like a secret agent, but not really. Um, there was something exciting about that, but to hear that now, I'm thinking a little bit like, well, I don't know if I'd want to smuggle Bibles into China now. I've got a family. I've got things to... And you see, the thing is, at that time, my wife was actually pregnant with the twins, and I was still willing to go. Now, I don't know if that's something about my character, but it, it just shows that there was this excitement. And maybe you can think back in your life 
when there are things that you used to be happy to do, excited to do, excited to try out. I'm going to be in a band. I'm going to step out and do these things. Remember the haircuts you used to get back in the 80s. Remember the things you used to do that was just like, I'm going to do that and I don't care. I'm I'm a rebel. I'm going to take my stand. And as years go by, it doesn't even matter how old you are. Something starts to wear us down. Life starts to beat us up, and pretty soon that excitement of living starts to become dull, and we get stuck. And we don't want to take risks because they're dangerous, and we want to live lives that are comfortable. But what we start doing is we really stop living the way that I believe God has called us to do. It reminds me of an old Jackson Brown song called The Pretender. For those of you who remember, one of the lyrics is that, I'm going to rent myself a house in the shade of the freeway. I'm going to pack my lunch in the morning and go to work each day. And when the evening rolls around, I'm going to go home and lay my body down. And when the morning light comes streaming in, I'll get up and do it again. Amen. And the end of the song, it says, Are you there? Say a prayer for the pretender who started out so young and strong only to surrender. And and I wonder if maybe you are here this morning and you have surrendered to life. It has knocked the wind out of you. It has taken the life out of you. The idea of adventure, the idea of skydiving or snowboarding or smuggling is not anywhere in your idea of fun or future or whatever else might be, you've kind of surrendered. You've surrendered to the beating that you've taken. You've surrendered to the things that have just worn you down. And so turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 7. There's an interesting story. And one of the things that we see throughout Scripture, there's a theme that constantly takes place as we see people who are enslaved, whether it be the children of Israel in Egypt or whether it be the slave woman who, who speaks to the, the warrior who is going to be healed of cancer in Kings, uh, Laman or, you know, Naaman, uh, the prophet, who are going to be healed by the prophet. Sorry, getting my words here. We, we constantly see this theme of the people who are less than being used by God to do things that are more than expected. It's a constant theme, even in the New Testament, where we see Christ, who is born of a virgin, of a poor family, really in, slave, in slavery to the Roman government, we, we see the same thing. God is stepping into the lowest place to do something extraordinary. Having a, a new grandson, you know, Corinne and I were holding the baby the other day and we're holding Judah and we're looking at him and we're thinking, oh my gosh, he's so tiny, he's so helpless. And the thought of this is how God chose to enter humanity. So weak and so helpless. It was overwhelming to think about. And so here in this story, we're we're getting a glimpse of that same thing. In chapter 7, verse 3, it said, Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we will go into city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. So it's a very positive scripture here, really very hopeful. And understanding just the beginning as we start out, the Arameans were the enemy to Israel. They had taken siege, and Israel is behind the walls, and they are starving to death. These lepers are outside of the wall because they are ousted by the people. They're not allowed to be a part of the city. What the lepers normally would do would be eat the garbage that is thrown out from the city. But imagine if there's a famine, there's less garbage. So as bad as it is in the city, it's worse for these guys. And so here's the beginning of the story. Four lepers. 
They're going to die. But, hey, if we do this, maybe we'll live. Verse 5. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dark and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents and ate and drank. Then they took silver and gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned, entered another tent, and took some things from it and hid them too. Then they said to each other, What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, We went into the Aramean camp, and no one was there, not a a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys, and the tents left just as they were. The gatekeeper shouted the news, and it was reported within the palace. The king got up in the night and said to his officers, I will tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know we are starving. So they have left the camp to hide in the countryside, thinking they will surely come out. And then we will take them alive and get into the city. One of his officers answered, Have some men take five of the horses that are left in the city, because they'd eaten most of them, Their plight will be like that of all the Israelites left here. Yes, they will only be like all these Israelites who are doomed. So let us send them to find out what happened. So they selected two chariots with their horses, and the king sent them after the Aramean army. He commanded the drivers, go and find out what has happened. They followed them as far as the Jordan And they found the whole road strewn with clothing and equipment the Arameans had thrown away in their headlong flight. So the messengers returned and people reported to the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. So a say of finest flour sold for a shekel and two says of barley sold for a shekel as the Lord had said. This story begins in in a desperate situation. Have you ever noticed that sometimes desperation looks a lot like courage? That for something to turn into something courageous, it first starts out being desperate. And so here are these lepers And they're with each other and they say, we're dying. If we go back into the city or try to get into the city, they're starving. We go there, we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. If we go to the enemy, there is the slightest chance that we will live. If not, we'll die. There's really no choice here. Now, the Arameans, there's little chance that they're going to accept leprous Jews. They're trying to kill all the Jews. Why would they want to spare sick ones if they're not even trying to spare the live ones? So their chance is slim to nothing, but it's the only chance they have, so it is the chance that they are going to take. And they muster up the courage and they step into this area that is certain to be doom. But instead, they find that the camp is empty. They go in and they start to eat and they start to drink, which you would do if you were starving to death. And then they they take some of the clothing and some of the silver and they go and hide it. And then they go and they take some more and they hide it because, hey, you're going to be a leper, might as well be a little wealthy, right? You're going to try and get something. And then all of a sudden, something comes over them and they start to wonder, what about this needs to change? 
I, I wonder if maybe we are at a place in our lives where we are stuck. And maybe you're, you're not in the same situation as the leper, but you feel like, well, I'm at this job and I hate this job and I'm in this relationship and I hate this relationship and, and I'm living a life that I just actually hate my life. And so it's kind of like I'm dying here, I'm dying here and I'm dying here and I'm wondering what do I have to do? And maybe this time of desperation can, can push you to actually taking a step and doing something that is actually courageous. And what that is, is changing your life. Stepping into something that will actually bring a change to where you're at. Because sometimes what will happen is we'll just give in to this quiet desperation. See, the lepers could have said, well, you know, we're certain to die if we go over there. We'll live longer if we just stay here and starve. And isn't the whole purpose to just live as long as you can? But you see, they didn't want to just exist and die. They wanted the chance to actually live. They wanted to actually have the life. And maybe you're sick enough of existing in the situation that you're in to be desperate enough to say, I need to do something to bring about a change in my life. Because otherwise, I'm dying. It's not enough, or it's not just about changing your job. This is about living the life and a life that's matter. A life that is of purpose. Jesus said, is not life more than the body and more than clothes? And sometimes we wonder, God, why are you, you blessing these people? You might look at them and say, they're, they're not as talented as I am, if you would say something like that. You wouldn't out loud, but you might think it. You know, they're not as talented as I am. You know, God, they, they don't have the qualifications that I do. They, they don't have the abilities that I have, but yet their life is blessed, God. They're not as intelligent. Maybe they're not even as good-looking as me, but God, why are they being blessed? And maybe it's because you're satisfied living in a state of existence rather than pushing forward and actually finding a life that matters. You see, the lepers have more courage than a lot of us because they were willing to step into the possibility that things could change. So you hate your job. Leave it. You hate your life. Choose a different one. You hate your choices. Make new choices. Why stay here until you die? Why stay in this place? You see, if you hate where you are, move. sounds so simple. If you hate who you are, change. Be desperate enough and courageous enough to step into a place that may be at risk, but it will at least move you out of the mud. It will get you out of the circumstance you have nothing to lose, then you have everything to gain. Why stay here? Which is what they said. Why should we stay here and die? We have to do something. Last year when we were in La Paz and we had a group, we took them on this creativity tour. And David Arcos from Mosaic out in L.A., he led us through a number of things. 
I mean, some of them were doing exercises. Some of them were, you know, doing writing and things that maybe people weren't used to do. Some of them were doing like improvisation and doing these things. And everyone was kind of going along with it. It was kind of a beautiful place, having fun. And, and I remember Lauren looking at her, Lauren Barrera, and she shared that I can share this, so I'm not throwing her out under the bus. Um, she had this look on her face of just like being miserable. And, and we're coming to the end and we're like, hey, how's it going? And she was saying, I'm just really uncomfortable. I'm really uncomfortable with these things. I'm comfortable with the things that we're doing. And and what she was uncomfortable with is the fact that she remembers being able to enjoy things and she stopped being able to do that. And she was uncomfortable with herself and what was going on. But you see, this whole creativity tour pushed her into a place of being uncomfortable. It forced her into a place where she had to see where she was, what she didn't like about who she was, And she chose to change. She made some changes in her living so that she could be healthier. And she is. She's much healthier. Her and Danica talked, and she actually, through these changes, started going back to college, is in college now, to get her master's. All because she was uncomfortable enough and desperate enough to want to change. Are you desperate enough to want to change the life you have? Do you feel like you're stuck? And if you stay here, you're going to die. But, you know, I can't give up my job because if I give up my job, then I'm going to die. I'm just in a place where I can't win. See, it's so strange in verse 5 as it goes on and he says, At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. At the same time, they got up and went to the camp. The Arameans thought they heard the soldiers of the Hittites and the Egyptians, and they fled. It's a coincidence that when they started to move, that actually something else started to change. And maybe your life will not change until you get up and start to move. And four of the most unlikely people are at the heart of a victory that God accomplishes through them. The same times they start walking toward their camp, they leave. Sometimes it's a difficult thing to see freedom and surrender. We fight for freedom from God, but then we end up creating prisons for ourselves. And so many times we're trying to gain for ourselves things that are actually stealing the life that God is trying to give us. How many times did Jesus say, if you want to gain your life, you must lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, then you will find it. A seed must fall to the ground and must die before it brings forth fruit. Sometimes we have to be willing to give up and say, okay, I'm done. I quit. I need to change. I don't want to stay here. You know, as I was putting thoughts together on what I wanted to share, I I know that I talk to you every week and sometimes it can be like, okay, I go to church and there's Sam talking to me. And so like in the past, I've been having you send texts to yourself, just trying to do things different to, to break the monotony, to try and engage you to think, okay, I, I want to pay attention. And, and I so want to get your attention here. I mean, I'd be willing to put on a wig and, you know, wear funny clothes just to startle you to say, what's going on here to, to wake up the slumber that might be taking place in your soul? If you're in a marriage and your marriage is dying, you have to step into something different if it's going to change. You can't sit there and say, oh, well, this is how it's going to be. You will die as it is if you don't make some change. If you're stuck in your job and you hate it and it's draining the life out of you and you think there's no way out, you're dying where you are. When I was 48 years old, I made a career change. 
And it's so interesting the way that it happened because I, I was praying about, you know, stepping out and wanting to start a church. And, and so I thought, you know, God, is this something that you want for me to do? And I remember hearing this devotion or, or reading this devotion, and it was in First Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19, verse 19. And it's the story of Elijah and Elijah. And it says, so Elijah went from there and found Elijah, son of Esephath. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, which meant, I want you to be my disciple. I want you to follow me. What I am, I want you to be. Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah said. What have I done to you? In other words, if that's what you want to do, then do it. You can have that life. I have nothing to do with you. Verse 21, so instead, this is what Elijah does. So Elijah left him, went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. What happened is Elijah came and said, hey, I want you to be my disciple. Elijah said, wait, let me say goodbye to my family. And Elijah said, hey, live that life if you want to live it. And so Elijah instead took the life that he had, plowing and, and working the fields, and he destroyed it. He burned it, ate it, it was gone. And I felt like God was telling me, you know, I want you to move on to a different life. And I remember sharing this with Corrine. And Corrine was like, oh, or actually, I remember Corrine saying, I had this scripture that I read today. And it came, it just reminded me of this. And it was the same scripture. And so we're like, oh, it's God. You know, it's like this great thing. You know, God ministered to you and God ministered to me. Okay, this is what the Lord wants us to do. But we never stopped to think about what was happening. He destroyed his old life. It was gone. I was thinking I was going to transition. I'm just going to look and see how this is. I'm going to put my toe in the water and see how it goes. And that's not the way it happened. I got pushed. And all of a sudden, I have no job at 48 years of age. Career change. Because I wanted to make a change. Not this change, God. I wasn't looking to do this. And the desperation. It wasn't courageous. I wasn't, yes, I trust God. It was help. What am I supposed to do? But you see, I was dying. I was living a mundane life. I knew God. I knew Christ. I I was even working at a church, but I was dying. And I knew that if I stayed here, it would just, I would waste to nothing this desperate, quiet life. And I didn't want that. God said, okay. I was like, well, I didn't know if I wanted this. You see, unless there is sacrifice, there is no miraculous. Unless there is sacrifice, there is no change. If you do not make some kind of change with the routine that's happening, you will continue living like you are. And if you want change, then you have to do something else. That definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting change. And sometimes we get stuck and we just need to get pushed out of this mud, but it's scary because we don't know what's going to happen. I need to make a change, so I'm going to go and see a counselor. But what's the counselor going to say to me? How is it going to affect me? At least you're stepping out. I need to make a change, so I'm going to go back to school. But it's going to cost me time. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. At least you're stepping out 
and making the change. I, I, I want a different job, but for me to leave this job, it's going to put us in financial you know, hardship. It feels like I'm dying, but just maybe those steps will be steps that lead to that different life. You see, you were not made to just exist. Your life has value and has purpose, and it matters. The lepers would have never found life if they were unwilling to step into the possible death. You will not find a richer life if you're not willing to take a chance. And it's not going to be easy and it's going to be scary. And you may have to be desperate before you ever make that change. There's the old saying that people are unwilling to change until the pain of remaining the same exceeds the pain of the change. So I got to ask, are you sick enough of where you're at to want to be somewhere else? Are you tired of the life you're living enough to want to live a different life? And this can be on all sorts of scales. You see, I'm always being pushed forward. I always have to make these kinds of decisions. God, I I don't know if I want to take that next step because it seems like there's enough on my plate already but I don't want to stay stuck. I think the biggest struggle in my life as a follower of Christ has been complacency, has been being lazy, has been settling. When God is wanting to move and God is wanting to use me and have me be a part of his work, I'm getting comfortable. And we say, God, I'll follow you if you'll do something. And God says, follow me and I will do something. And he wants us to take that step. Romans 16.20 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You are the instruments of God's deliverance. You see, just as these lepers stepped and the sound of their feet amplified to be the sound of an army, it's interesting this scripture doesn't say that and soon the God of peace will crush Satan under his feet. It says under your feet. You're the instruments that God is going to use to deliver the people around you. And and maybe the area that you're stuck in and the area that I get stuck in is where I'm just living my life for me. I'm just wanting my life, my comfortable life. I've got my home. I've got my family. I've got a few friends. Leave us alone. We're good. Things are manageable. And my life is really self-contained. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm going to live this. But notice what happened to them, the lepers. In verse 10, or verse 9, it says, Then they said to each other, What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. It's not good we have this all for ourselves. We need to go back to the city and let them know what's happened, what we have here. Now understand, they're going back to the city that kicked them out. They're going to the people who would have nothing to do with them. Because they have this sense, if we just have this for ourselves, it's not right. And once again, we see God using those who are the least likely to bring this salvation to those who have otherwise banished them, have kept them out. I think so many times we are unwilling to step out of our comfort to reach a world 
that is hurting. Because we see them as the enemy. If anyone had the right to see them as the enemy, it would have been these four lepers. We owe them nothing. Look what they've done to us. They've banished us. We don't have to go back to them. You know, it's interesting the shift that is taking place in our culture where at one time Christianity and its beliefs dominated our system. And it was something that was prevalent. And it's changing. It's changing in the things that we see in the political system and how things are being run. The change has taken place not only in our country, but it's taking place over the world. There are some polls that were taken just in concerning who people would feel comfortable with being president. And this was some surveys that were taken from 2004 to 2014. So the 86% people were comfortable with an African-American president. That's good because we got one, right? 75% less than that were comfortable with a Latino president. I don't know what's with that. Latinos got to up the status, right? It's like, wait, okay, there was 75% less than the 86%. 72% less than that were comfortable with a woman being president. Down further, 46% were comfortable with a person who is gay being president. So if you're a Latino woman who's gay, you don't have a chance, I guess. <laughs> Latina. But even below those who are gay at 42% are the people who are comfortable with a Christian being president. Why is that? And, and I'm not going to Christian bash. My daughter said, are you going to bash Christians? I said, no, I'm not going to. But I want to talk about what's happened and what I think is happening because I, I see it here in this story. You see, these four lepers were dying and they had this incredible gift that was their salvation and they didn't keep it for themselves. They said, no, we have to share this with others. And I, I think what has happened is one, where once a person who named Christ was respected and now has become less than respected, it's not culture's fault. But what has happened is instead of going back to the city and sharing this good, we have found a life, we found healing, we found blessing, and we set up our own camp and said, this belongs to us. And now if you want what we have, you need to come to us instead of taking of what we had and giving it to them. And so now we have our own clothing. We have our own music. We have our churches and we want people to know who is welcome and who isn't welcome. And we will pass laws to let people know this is how we want them to live. Instead of taking the riches of God's mercy, even though they've ousted us saying, look, it, it's not good that we have this. And so they went to the city and they said, hey, the camp is empty. Everything is here except for the stuff we buried. You can partake of it. It's not ours. It belongs to you as well. And we need to have that mentality. Can you imagine what it took for them to go to the city that abandoned them? And instead of complaining that we're being persecuted by God because of our beliefs, God actually makes us care about those who don't care about us. That's how he is. And unless we care enough about the things that God cares about, we will be happily stuck in a life that is about consuming for ourselves. 
And I've got to tell you that this is the thing I am most afraid of for my own life, is that I will be a follower of Jesus who stops caring about the people who are outside of these walls, that I will be a person who wants only the things that benefit my life, that I will not give my life for the people whom Jesus gave his life for because it's too scary and it costs too much. That is my biggest fear. That is what I struggle with, that I am not going to be a person who is like Jesus. You see, early on, they looked at the followers of Christ and they called them. The unbelieving world saw the followers of Jesus and they called them Christian. Today, we call ourselves Christian and the unbelieving world calls us hypocrites because they do not see Jesus in our action. They don't see that we love them the way God loves them. We have stopped being living witnesses. And I don't want us to be stuck in a place where we stop caring and we stop loving. You cannot be given good news by God and keep it to yourself and think that it belongs to you. You have to get out of that mentality. But today, most people who come to faith in Jesus within one year no longer have friends who are outside of the church. Why is that? Jesus was a friend of sinners. And we've stopped becoming that. My challenge to us is if you're stuck in whatever area it is in your life that you will see that there is still a choice. The choice might be uncomfortable. The choice might be terrifying. But it's the only choice that will bring life. And so if you're unhappy in your marriage, then do something to make it better. Be an active participant. Oh, but that person, they've kicked me outside the walls. They, they've banished me. It's not good if you do not go back and bring goodness. If you're in a a place where you're living your life and and you don't like the things that you're doing, you, you don't like the person you are, then make the changes that make you someone else. But you don't understand. This is my livelihood. This is what I do. I'll never forget talking to the man at 7-Eleven one time, sharing Christ with him and asking him, why won't you accept Jesus? And he said, because I cheat on my income taxes. And, And if I become a follower of Jesus, I know I can't lie about my income taxes. I admire his honor and wanting not to be a person who compromises. But do you see what you're saying? You will give up a life that God has for you just because of your taxes? What will happen if you take the step and say, if I stay here, I will die? I have to change. I will take the step. I don't know what it will hold, but at least life is there. What do you have to give up so that you can live the life that God has called you to? My neighbors, I should reach out to them. I should invite them over to dinner. Yeah, but I don't know about them. Man, they're kind of loud. They're kind of crazy. It's not good that we don't go back. It's not good that we don't care the way God has provided and cared for us. We have to make the changes. So my prayer for us is that we will be people who recognize that we are lepers. That we have been given this amazing gift. And we will take it to those who don't have it. My prayer for us is that we will see that there is death 
all around us, but there is one hope for life, and that is having faith in God who brings about change wherever and whatever circumstance you're in. Whether it's struggling with some addiction, whether it is in an unhealthy relationship that you need to change, whether it's in a marriage that's faulty, that needs healing, that you will step into the difficulty to bring about the change because you will die if you don't. And what God is wanting to do is bring to us life. When I'm training dogs, oftentimes I'll, I'll have a dog that won't want to walk. And you'll pull on the leash and they'll just snowplow. And you'll just drag them. You know, they're just, the dog's just. And they're just stuck in their mind or even going downstairs. Like they live in an apartment. I can't get my dog to walk down the stairs. And I have to carry them. And it's a, you know, 100-pound dog. And I can't carry my 100-pound dog down the stairs. And you pull on the leash and the dog's just sitting there like, no, I'm not going to go those stairs. I'm going to kill them. And, and what I have to do is unlock the dog's mind. And so when the dog is at the stairs and it's like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I know the dog's not going to die. And so I pull the dog down the stairs. I give them a tug and I unlock their brain and now they're falling and they have to do something. And they do it. They walk down the stairs and they're like, whoa, what happened? And then we go back up and it will kind of go back up and the same thing. I'll pull it and I'll go, okay. And then I do it again. Let's go. The dog comes down the stairs. Whoa. And the dog's like looking at what happened. And pretty soon I give a little tug and the dog says, I can do this. I didn't die. Stairs aren't too bad. And then the dog gets a little swag. Well, I don't know if they do or not. But, you know, <laughs> The dogs are thinking, I can go downstairs. I can do this. Just needed to be unlocked. Just have to give that tug so that it sets the motion. See, God did things when I was 40 year, 48 years old that pushed me and set me in motion. I got to tell you, it was terrifying and I thought I was going to die. But it saved me. It brought life to me. Maybe you're just stuck. And you need a nudge. You need a little tug on the leash. You need to see that you're not going to die. But you will if you stay where you're at. And you need to trust God. So maybe Elijah will come and put his cloak around you and say, follow me. I've got more for you here. But I have to deal with all that I have and I have this life that I've been building and, and, and it's secure and it, it's what I want. What have I had to do with you? You can live that life if you want, but if you are desperate enough, then you will burn the plow, you will slaughter the oxen, you will sacrifice it, and you will do as Jesus said. If you want to find your life, you will lose it for my sake. And you will understand that you are here for so much more than yourself. That you are here to bring hope to the world around you. You are here to bring about healing to those around you and that God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet because you and your walking sound like an army so that enemy will flee. Let's pray. Father, I have been stuck so many times in my life and I'm grateful for the people and for the circumstances that have pushed me out of those conditions. I'm grateful for even the desperation that forced me to find courage. And Father, my prayer is that all of us here would take an honest stock of our lives and, and we would allow you to measure us and we would see those areas 
where we have been complacent, where we have been procrastinating, where we have been lazy, where we have been stuck. And that we would be desperate enough to want to bring change, desperate enough to do what seems impossible to us, desperate enough to humble ourselves and to seek out change. And Lord, may we find you and your blessing. May we we find that there is food for us to eat and drink for us and wealth for us if we will be willing to risk our lives for you. And it may be difficult, but it will be filled with life. And may we care enough to bring that life to those around us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would prompt our hearts. And I want to challenge you here this morning. If you are stuck in your relationships, maybe in your marriage, if you are stuck in your habits and the things that you've been doing, if you're feeling stuck in your work, in your career, and what you want to do, if you feel stuck in your relationship with God that you have not been giving of yourself, would you stand with me so that we can come before God together and ask for Him to illuminate the path before us? If you're feeling stuck in some of these areas, would you just stand together with me? Father, you you see those who are standing, I am standing. Lord, we don't want to be in a place of complacency. We don't want to be in a place, God, where we are struggling and dying and not recognizing it. And so, Lord, as we stand here together, Lord, we do so before you, asking, God, that you would give us strength, that you would give us hope, that you would empower us to make the changes that we know we need to make, the the things that you're illuminating to us even now. And I pray you would bring healing, God, to those who are struggling in their, their bodies or maybe with addiction in some way, that you would bring Father, healing into the relationships that have been bittering and and battering back and forth. Father, that you would bring about the courage to, to bring about a change maybe in where they have made their career and the things that they are doing. And Father, may you push us, as scary as it is, into life and bring about the change that we need. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. May God bless you as you take the chance to follow him. As you move forward and recognize that life is ahead of you. That you would embrace the difficulty, embrace the change that needs to be made so that you can find the life that will vitalize you and project you forward. God bless you guys. Have a great Super Bowl Sunday. Enjoy your day. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.